We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It's Friday, and that means it's... Front Office Friday! Let's go. Front Office Friday is here. Talking NBA basketball with you. Welcome in. Those of you joining here over on the YouTube channel, we'll be taking your questions and comments throughout the show. Plenty to talk about. Keith, how are you doing on this fine Friday? I'm good. Yeah, somebody in the chat just reminded Friday the 13th. So front office Friday, spooky, spooky times here on the front office show. Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling much better. And uh, finally, I think in the last uh, stages of that cold I had. So I'm psyched. We get a ton of preseason action to break down and all that. So, yeah, it's good. Good times are going here. Yeah, let's um, let's start there. In fact, as we're getting people coming into the show, by the way, again, welcome in everybody come in on this spooky Friday the thirteenth. I should have had some Halloween music. Or something. Yeah. Right? I should have done done something. Uh, Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll do a Halloween front office Friday. And we'll Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, Ooh, spooky. Um, yeah, we need to do something like that. But uh, you know, we saw something last night that have, that's got Suns fans feeling a little gloaty this morning. <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic outperformed DeAndre Ayton in what was being billed as DeAndre Ayton's revenge performance. Didn't happen. Yusuf Nurkic was was better. Is it is it possible that the Suns got the better of that trade? <laughs> I mean, d- d- revenge performances in preseason games, like yeah, yes. sure. That's Thank a, you. Thank um, you. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. In the interim. Yeah, maybe. I think, you know, that they seem to be very content to lean in on their offense, and Nurkic is going to be really solid for them. He's a better uh, offensive fit for what the Suns need than DeAndre Ayton was going to be because he's a good ball mover. He's a better screener. Uh, He's not nearly as athletic, sure, and, you know, those things, but, you know, you could do a lot more with him. He can also space the floor a little bit. He takes a handful of threes uh, here and there. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, but if it's you know, we're talking next year and beyond. No, it, DeAndre Ayton's a better player and the better asset. But yeah, I mean, last night, you know, you kind of saw as odd as it is, like that's what how this should go. It's you know, the Suns uh starters are gonna do what they do, but mm-hmm. it was really the Suns bench that kind of blitzed the Blazers bench and made it all sort of messy there. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna take too much from one preseason game. It's always a dangerous thing to overreact to preseason, but but there's 
there's emotion that that's sure. you know wrapped up in this when you've got the guy who you drafted number one overall and didn't want to be there anymore and Phoenix fans didn't seem to want him there much either and then he comes back with his new team but I don't know there's always going to be that kind of shouting for it you know coming in when he's uh when he gets gets his butt kind of handed to him by by Nurkic and Nurkic I like this passing that we saw there mm-hmm. that's never been his talent has never been the question it's his age it's the injury history it's it's all of that compared to what could the potential upside of, of DeAndre Aiden be. So I understand why Portland did it from their side. I also understand why Suns fans might be looking at that going, yes, see, take that, Aiden, take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's see what happens in their first uh, you know, real um, you know, matchup in the regular season when you know guys are hopefully gonna be full, full, full go and ready to play 30 plus minutes if need be and those kind of things. But yeah, I, I'm not uh you know. I'm not going to say Nurkic is not the better fit. We we broke this down in detail. Mm-hmm. You guys can go back and watch that if you want when when, it, when we talked all about the trade. But yeah, it'll be really you know th- this is long term versus short term, and I think the uh, um, long term you know is still the win for the uh, the Trailblazers and the, the, the sorry short term's a win for the Suns, long term mm-hmm. the win for the Trailblazers. Well, and really, I mean, Kevin Durant is 35 going on yeah. 55. Like, it, it, there is no long-term for the Phoenix Suns. It's now. You, it has yep. to be right now yep. for them. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, – let's just get it out of the way. The Miles Bridges situation. Not something I want to talk about. Not something I've been looking forward to discussing. But here we go again. And the Hornets just seem to be mired in all of this controversy. From the Kai Jones situation, they just waived him. We talked about that. On our last show just a couple of days ago. And now, now this. In fact, it was just, it was like 15 minutes after we finished recording our last show that yeah. the news broke that now there was a arrest warrant out for Miles Bridges and something about him busting up a windshield. And I mean, it, Keith, what what's going on here and what are the Hornets going to do? Yeah, it sounds like as terms of the prior uh, arrest and situation, Miles Bridges was ordered to stay away from. Uh, I, I I keep wanting to say the mother of his children, but I don't know if that's accurate. So I don't, I'm, if I slip up and say that, I apologize in mm-hmm. advance. Um, but anyway, the, the woman that he was accused of uh, abusing last time, um, he was ordered to stay away from her. And this time around, it sounds like through billiard balls, through the windshield of the car, or at least into the windshield and cracked it. And then Miles Bridges' current girlfriend, I believe as it was described, um, she was uh, kicking and hitting the car and dented it. And the worst part is there were kids in the car. So Ooh. that is, you know, that's to me where this completely, it's bad enough, but it's worse that the children were in the car because, I mean, you whip a billiard ball hard enough to go through a windshield and it hits a kid, you could kill them. Yeah. Right? Like I, I didn't realize you know, that detail. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's horrific. Yeah, that's in, um, I believe that was also in the arrest warrant that was issued. It did come out this morning. He has turned himself in uh, to authorities um, against, you know, these uh, charges maybe isn't the right way to call it, but whatever. Um, he's turned himself in. And, the Hornets statement basically to Baxter Holmes of ESPN was we're we're aware of the situation. We're collecting more mm-hmm. information. You know, we'll you know let something know uh soon here. 
Hornets can obviously get out of his contract extremely easily by just waiving him. It's only a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only signed the qualifying offer this summer, did not sign a long-term contract. So my guess is we're going to see Miles Bridges probably not around for a long time. I will say someone said Miles Bridges posted on Twitter or Instagram and changed his his uh, profile picture to Johnny Depp, um, who was accused of uh, abusive mm. abuse. Um, uh, what was it a year or two ago? And that trial very famously played out. And then I guess that like he changed it back or deleted it or whatever. So, but it's a mess in Charlotte. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And uh, this is the latest of, you know, a string of what is happening with the Hornets. Now, if all of this turns out to be accurate, right? If it's proven that he actually did this and all that, and you know what, look, I've talked about it before. I'm a big proponent of innocent until proven guilty. You know, you need all the facts to come out about a, about a case. There's two sides to every story and that's the, the way I approach things. But um, if this turns out to be accurate, the Hornets, I would have to imagine there's language in this contract that will allow the Hornets to completely get out of the deal and not have to pay him for the beyond yeah. just waving him. And maybe it's an easier path to just wave him, but there has to be language in this contract that would allow them to say conduct detrimental to the team. You've nullified your contract here. Yeah, there definitely is. Now that takes some doing right. And that Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing that's playing out with the Kevin Porter jr. Situation right now is, you know, the Rockets could just wave him, eat his salary this year, a little bit of a guarantee on next year's salary, and then just be completely done with this. Um, but it sounds like they're going to let it play out because there is a potential that we could trip into a point where the contracts become voided. It would be the same situation with miles bridges where the contract could become voided. And then you just don't owe them anything. And then everybody moves along and it's, it's over and done with. So we're going to see where this goes. My guess is, you know, teams are very, uh, how do I phrase this? They're very reluctant to take action before they really need to, especially Mm -hmm. when we're talking millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, be, being involved here. So I think they very clearly want to be sure, hey, we this is, uh, you know, uh, rather than just waving a guy and moving on, we want to be sure, you know, we're handling everything the right way here because otherwise it just becomes a major mess legally on their end too, and, you know, potentially tying up, you know, these millions of dollars. So, yeah, we're, we're going to watch both of those situations, unfortunately, play out here over, my guess is the next several months because it's going to take a, you know, just the legal process always takes a long time mm-hmm. to resolve, but I don't think we're going to see miles bridges around the Hornets, much like Kevin Porter jr. It'll probably be, Hey, go away. Like we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, these Hornets. I, I hope that there are some sunnier skies ahead for them because it's been, it's been quite an off season. For Charlotte. Uh, hey, at least Brandon Miller had an epic dunk the other day. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was a charge. <laughs> but at least like Hornets fans had something to point to because look, I think it's gone too far at this point, but there's been so much they should have taken scoot, like just yep. being thrown at the Hornets and their fans every day. Um, I am I think that we're underrating Brandon Miller at this point. Like that's that's where we've gotten to, but at least yep. they had something to go. See, look, he's crazy athletic. Look at that, you know. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Miller is going to be very good. It's yeah. just, you know, I think, and I'll put myself in there. I believe Scoot Henderson is going to be awesome. So I, I, I think we're, you know, really in a spot where, you know, let's see, you know, what all these guys do. 
you know, but I, I, I'm high on Brandon Miller. I think he'll be a good player. And, you know, in, in a very weird, just basketball sense, this clears things up rotationally a little bit for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. If Bridges yeah. is out of the picture because they, they had an awful lot of forwards that needed to play um, with Bridges and PJ Washington and uh, Gordon Hayward and obviously Brandon Miller, that's a lot of guys that you you know, need to work in somewhere, even if, you know, Hayward and Miller can maybe swing to the guard position uh, once in a while. You, then you still have there, you've got Rogier and uh, LaMelo Ball and, and that. So it, it just, you know, it started to be a little bit of a crowded perimeter group in Charlotte. And we're going to see how that all comes together too. But, you know, we'll, we'll find out, you know, more on all of this, I guess, over the next, uh, you know, coming. Hopefully we'll find out something on Bridges specifically mm-hmm. within, I would hope, a week. And then the rest, you know, will play out obviously over months. Right, right. All right, let's get into this super chat question here. Yang says, what's the scariest team your team has ever faced? So keeping with the the October, the spooky theme, given that it's Friday the 13th and all that, the scariest team your team has ever faced. Hmm. That's interesting to think about, right? Yeah. Especially given our two franchises. Yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, clearly like in the 80s, um, for me, as a kid of the the '80s and early '90s, the, those Celtics teams, like like with those Lakers teams with Magic and Worthy and Kareem and whatnot, it, that they it, it's they can't really pick anybody but those teams. Um, but they mm-hmm. always felt more evenly matched. It, it never felt like, man, we don't have a shot here. I'll, I'll say the Celtics in, gosh, what was it, two thousand. Uh, two Celtics. They went to the East Finals against the then New Jersey Nets, uh, yeah. which the Lakers, to the Lakers, I believe, right? 2002, they beat the Nets in the Finals, mm-hmm. I think. Yes, or it might have been the Spurs. Um, was it the Lakers? Yeah, and in, in 02, it was the Lakers. Yeah, so it's um that Nets team, like, I felt like, man, the Celtics are going to need to play perfect to have any shot against that team. So that's, and that, that's a very special Celtics team for me because that's when I moved to Florida permanently. So mm-hmm. they were my attachment to home because I kind of lived and died through those playoff games. And I was literally going to the ESPN club for a lot of those playoff games. Cause they weren't on, I didn't have cable where I was oh. living at the time. Yeah. So yeah. So it was like, like, yeah, I was very, very invested in that, that particular Celtics team. And that Nets team was just, you know, they, they were, they were slightly terrifying in the East that year. Until they got to the finals. Yes. So they got to, well, that's why I said what, that it was Todd McCullough <laughs> against, <laughs> against Shaq. And yeah. that didn't, that didn't go so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. Nets, uh, you know, they 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 had their they had troubles with both the Spurs and the Lakers when they got out of the East. I'll tell you what mine is, and you'll probably this will make you feel good. Uh, it was the 08 Celtics that yeah, season in the nasty. finals. Like I went in, like I don't think I even watched the last couple of games of the finals. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying, "It's the finals. Why are you watching?" I said, "Because I know what's going to happen." Like it was, it was very clear that the Lakers weren't physical enough. They weren't prepared for that. And they had kind of just been thrown together. The Celtics had just been thrown together earlier in the summer, but that's when the Lakers had just gotten pow and and everything. And you could just, I don't know. I've always had the ability to kind of watch a game and get a feel for just the vibe of of the series and kind of the rhythm of it. And I could just tell within the first couple of games, I'm like, nah, this is the, the physicality is not there. This isn't going to work out well. Uh, for the Lakers. So that was the team where I was like, yeah, this is 
this is going to be a rough one. Um, that's for sure. And then I think the uh, the 04 Pistons, once the series got started and you realized, uh-oh, and all the expectation was the Lakers are going to steamroll this team, you know, going in. And then once you got into it, you went, oh, no. Oh, no, this is not good. This is this is a big, big problem. So that team, once you saw it on the floor, that team, too, once you once you actually saw it take place. So those are probably my two. Yeah, I think that 08 Celtics team, too, I'm 100% with you on that because i think the only one who was really ready for the lakers in that series was kobe like he he was obviously Mm -hmm. clearly ready to go and he knew what it took but yeah that was the first i don't want to disrespect his prior uh experiences but that was like paul gasol's first like big run right playing you know really important games andrew bynum was andrew bynum (laughs) like we'll just leave it at that um so i i I like yeah i i remember there was moments I was like, oh my God. And Bynum was, was injured at that point. What was it? Yeah, he might have been. Yeah, he'd been coming back. Yeah. And that was why they traded for Powell in the first place. Because yeah. Bynum got injured and they went, uh-oh, yeah. you know. But I just remember Garnett. I was like, oh, KG is he he's determined to snatch Gasol's soul here yeah. in this series. Like this is like he he's done. And you know, and just the you know, that that uh game it was a game. Game seven was the one where like it was just a or no, it was game six. I'm sorry. Um, because the Celtics won four two. Um, it was game six, like like when they just I mean they rolled all the that's when they were pouring Gatorade on Doc Rivers and all that other crazy nonsense on the sideline and everything. But you know, and then then when I knew the Celtics like were in their heads was when Phil Jackson was like, We didn't even know who Leon Poe was after he had mm-hmm. the monster game yeah. against them. And it's like yeah, sure you didn't. Like you got to the finals and you don't you you don't know who somebody on the other side is. Like, all right, now now at that point I was like, you just gave them the last little bit of motivation they needed. Uh yeah, and I I, I totally know what you're saying with that Pistons team too. And that Pistons team was the same kind of thing, right? Like they were like, Hey, we're here. And I just I remember Ben there's a play, it was very early in game one. Ben Wallace and Rashid Wallace both stepped to Shaq. And it was like, we're, we're not going anywhere, right? Like we're here. We are both going to hammer you every single time you touch it. And we're going to dare them to call fouls. That was the closest to the Pistons against MJ that I remember mm-hmm. like, like in the NBA. And unfortunately, because Shaq was this gigantic monster, he was just never going to get those calls the way Jordan would get them. You know, so there was a lot of like, he would get absolutely rocked and there was no call coming, which yeah. was always felt a little weird for you know, for, for uh, Shaq and the way, uh, you know, he was officiated, but that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah. I mean, and we still like LeBron gets it too, to, uh, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see it now, you know, when he yeah. drives, he'll get hit a lot, but he's, it's these guys in general. I, I imagine we're going to see this with Zion as well. Once we get you know, out there on the floor, even hopefully. more, um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> in a there, weird way, it's, it's right. the dudes that are so big and so strong. Yeah. Right. I mean, LeBron's like what six nine, two fifty. Shaq was obviously you know three hundred pounds, and, and guys just kind of bounce off of them, so they can get hit, and it's not the same kind of reaction as when like if yeah. Trey Young gets hit, he's going flying, right? Yeah. And part of that's it part of that Trey Young being Trey yeah. Young, but also because he's like one hundred and sixty five pounds or whatever, so. He gets hit, he goes fly, and the referees obviously are going to call it because it's so noticeable. These other guys that get hit and they're already like a brick wall, well, the the officials don't see that as as much, yeah. and and so you get that effect. And so and you had that quite a bit with Shaq, where guys are like hanging on him and everything, and 
you know, he's so big, so strong that oftentimes yeah. he'd, he'd get hammered and not get the call, which is not what you typically think of with, with superstar level players. We hear, oh, stars get all the calls. Eh, if you're one of the like physically strong people, then they tend to miss yeah. more things than, than you would think. Yeah, Dwight Howard went through it for a yes, while. absolutely. Especially in his magic years. Uh, Charlie Saturday in the chat called out Giannis 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, Giannis gets beat up quite a bit, and there, there's no uh, you know calls for him. Um, a bunch of people said scariest teams is uh, um, Golden State Warriors. Like, yeah, for a little while there, you felt like you had no mm-hmm. chance. Right, yeah. it was like it felt like the only team that had any chance was the Cavs, and that was only because they had LeBron. Right, it felt like you know, and even if the Rockets pushed them and the Thunder pushed them, mm-hmm. like it just felt like you know that almost felt like the Warriors playing with their food more than it did you know fully those those guys uh you know hanging in there. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, like the Warriors, you could be up twenty, especially like the the peak of their powers, Warriors. You could be up twenty with five minutes to go. And feel confident you were going to lose, yeah. Because they yeah. could, they could, they could put up twenty points in two minutes, you know, no problem. And so, um, and I'll I, never you know, maybe I'm being they, a little hyperbolic there, but they came in here and played the magic, and the magic very purposely made it a noontime Sunday start, so it was like the worst nine a.m. West Coast, yeah. And it was, I believe, the first game of Golden State's road trip, so like they hadn't even fully adjusted to East Coast time yet. The Magic, I want to say we're up 15 in the second quarter. Before halftime, Golden State was up like 14 or 15. And they just completely flipped it that quick for, you know, just they, they were just unbelievable. Like just unbelievable the way they, you know, really kind of, you know, could just roll through teams. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, we got a yeah. couple good super chats. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get to, let me get to this one here. Mario. Said, what's the next major rule change you'd like to see the NBA make? My, I mean, immediate answer: it's to go to the the FIBA goaltending rule. Yes, where the ball is. This is why we're on, friends on and co-hosts. Is, is that that's your exactly too? where I went? Okay, too. Yep. <laughs> that um, that would be that would be mine. Yeah, that would be my in-game one. My overall like structure kind of change. I would like to see more. Um, I'd like to see them establish more direct ties to the G League, meaning there it becomes more of a minor league. But and I don't know perfectly how to do this, um, but I want to see it become a thing where the players still have the free agency to join any team. But I would like to see if you're with a G League affiliate, the teams could call you up. So if you have one of these games where it is, geez, you know, we got five guys out today. Maybe you could call an affiliate player up on a one-day, one-game mm-hmm. contract yeah. and just bring them up for the one game, let them fill in, pay them one-game prorated NBA you know, minimum uh, that they would have got, and then you you could bring them back down without any like have to sign them, then put them back through waivers and clear a roster spot and all that stuff. I, I'd have to really get deeper into it and flesh it out. But I think there's a way to make that a little bit more of a tie. Um, and then I think eventually we're going to see, I think the league will eventually abolish the one and done rule. I think yeah. we'll see draft reform. And I think there'll be some kind of rule around players under age X have to spend X amount of time in the G league. Um, and that'll be a way you know, you could make the G league just more, more interesting, more ties, pull more fans in. Like, right. Even if you're not a super deep baseball fan, everybody kind of knows like, yeah, we've got this really great prospect down in triple a, 
you know, and everybody just kind of knows, knows about that guy. Like that'd be cool to see that replicated in the NBA as well, where, yeah, we've got this guy, you know, playing in the G league and, you know, he'll be ready in a year or so, whatever it is. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, with the G League, I've always, I like that from the player's perspective, because you never know when a roster spot, when an opportunity is going to open up in the NBA. And you want to have the flexibility to get pulled by any team. Because if you are, let's say you are in, you're part of, I don't know, you're you're part of a G League team that's, let's say it's Sacramento's G League team, right? Mm -hmm. And then a, a spot opens up on the Knicks, let's say, and the Knicks need you and need your skill set. That if you're stuck in your particular silo with your team, you can't take advantage of that opportunity. But on the flip side, from the team perspective, I can tell you this, it's always frustrating when you've got a guy that's been in your G League program for a few years. I know there's two-way contracts and you can kind of avoid this, but when you've got a guy that you've been developing for years and the next thing you know, they get poached by another team, you're like, okay, what? we just spent all this time with this yeah. guy and now he's just gone. Um yeah. I wish there was either some way to compensate teams where that happens or more of a, and again, I don't want to take opportunities away from the players. So there has to be some type of dialogue here to how to figure this out, but, or some way to tie a player to that particular team. So they don't spend all the time, all the resources developing a certain player. And then next thing you know, they're getting minutes for, you know, could even be your division rival. You don't, you don't know. I would love to see something along the lines. And again, I'd have to really flesh all this out and think through it. But something where in this situation you just laid out, where if you are, yeah, the Knicks are pulling from the Kings G League team, the Kings still have right of first refusal where mm -hmm. they can say, actually, we're going to elect to keep him, give oh, like the player that. a contract that's equal to a standard NBA minimum deal. And then it just kind of locks the player in there. And maybe you give everybody, you know, three, I don't want to call them additional two-way slots, but like three affiliate slots mm -hmm. or something like that, where then you could do that. And then you keep that relationship. You keep working with the player and you go just, yeah, something that formalizes that, but without restricting the player movement that way, you know, if you're the Kings and you're like, all right, we don't really want to give, you know, player X, that kind of contract off. He goes to the Knicks for an attendee and does his thing. And 
you know, that does that. And also, I, I 10 day contracts, I get, I fully understand why they don't want 10 day contracts um, to start earlier than the beginning part of January because teams would just not sign guys to the end of the roster and they just cycle through 10 days. Yeah. But I would like to see a little bit more flexibility in when those could start as well. Um, beyond just the, hey, we've got four or five guys out and we need to sign a 10-day. Like, I, I don't want to see that. So, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of things along those lines. That's probably topics we can get into, you know, much uh, more in-depth, you know, when we're in a more of a dead period in the season. Great question, uh, though. Yeah, absolutely. Atlas says the next major rule change, the four-point <laughs> shot. I Welcome to the show, Antoine Walker. We have found yeah. his burner account. There it is. Appreciate you joining. Always nice when we have a former player joining. <laughs> That's one the of show. my favorite quotes. Like, I, I love <laughs> that. There's no fours. Yeah. Oh, Antoine. Uh, Caleb said if the NBA does a four team expansion, which maybe they eventually, I think it, it'll be two and two if they're going to do four teams. It won't be four at once. But uh, mm-hmm. who are the other two teams? So, assuming it's Vegas, assuming it's Seattle, who would be next? He suggests. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, St. Louis. Uh, I know we've talked about Mexico, Mexico City. Yeah, would that be one of them? You think? Yeah, I think before, unfortunately, the team, the cities, uh, uh, Caleb listed here. I think Vancouver uh, is a place the league is interested yep. in. Um, I think they're much better positioned to. Can they take the Grizzlies name back, please? Yes, and that that Makes should be sense. part of it. And then just call them the Memphis Blues. Mm-hmm. Right there to wear, you know, yep. two varying shades of blue and just be done. Like I'm I'm all in on that. And give the jazz name back to the to to the Pelicans too. Yeah. And just let them be the New Orleans jazz. But uh yeah, so Vancouver, I think, would be one. Louisville has been pushing hard to to get a team. So I think they they might be be ahead of some of these teams. The problem with like Cincinnati, you're gonna have issues with Cleveland and Indianapolis potentially. Potentially because you know they're so close. I know Louisville's yeah. not that far from Cincinnati. Uh Pittsburgh, they just have never really seemed to have all that much of an interest in putting a team. St. Louis is one that gets mentioned a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and potentially, you know, they, they they could be in the mix. But yeah, I think I think it's I would pick Seattle and Las Vegas over the the field of yes. cities by a wide, wide margin for two teams and then if they were to go to four that's where i think it becomes a complete wide open bid and they may want to go a little more international with vancouver and with maybe mexico city or something like that so we'll see yeah that would certainly be interesting especially when we start talking about you were talking about this the other day about you know being the first team in to certain cities if we talk about mexico city um that might be kind of interesting we know they already have the g league team there um jeremy said what do you guys think of an nba team in nashville i mean I wouldn't you just move the grizzlies over to nashville yeah and i, I mean and god now you're gonna start a massive fight between everybody <laughs> battles about Memphis I, mean, versus I, I just mean rather than put a second team like it's just a few hours away yeah that's always the challenge right you you could throw out a whole lot of places but it's like the the team that are already in the the, the state or in the region are going to be like no Cause, cause that just takes away from their audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, like we hear all the time, like, like people will throw out regularly, like they should put an NBA team in Tampa and the magic would do everything they could to keep that from happening. Cause Tampa's only, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away. 
um, from Orlando. So they don't, mm-hmm. they don't want to give up, you know, what's considered to be part of their region, you know, for another team. So yeah, the Grizzlies would fight against Nashville. Um, and I, I don't think it'll happen. And, you know, it's, yeah, I, you know, I think they would just stick around, um, you know, where they're yeah. at. I mean, Nashville is very much an up and coming area. It's a place mm-hmm. a lot of people are moving to Nashville sure. right now. It's getting bigger and bigger. And obviously, they've already got Major League Soccer there. They've got hockey there. Of course, you've got the Tennessee Titans um, that are out that way. And so you've got sports teams there, but the Grizzlies also kind of own Memphis, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of there. There's college sports are are huge, but the Grizzlies really own Memphis, and so that's um, you know. And they're working through sports, the process for a new arena. Exactly. Too. So yeah, I don't is, I don't see them moving yeah. over. And because of yeah. the proximity to Nashville, again, I, I think the Grizzlies would fight tooth and nail, like I guess is the, the right term, but uh to make sure that it doesn't happen. I want to use this as a kind of entryway too to say like the whole idea of moving teams, the league doesn't want to. Yeah. They like the 30 markets they have right now. Well, 20 eight or whatever it is because some teams are doubled up but they like the teams where they are right now they want to add to that because if if they wanted a team in seattle they've had any number of opportunities to move various franchises mm-hmm. to seattle or make the process easier to move to seattle most notably the kings like for a little while it looked like that was going to be a done deal but they don't want to give up on the markets they're already in so you know i think think they're in a very uh Yo, interesting point where it's let's not, yo, well, let's not do any of this. Adam Silver's been very clear. It's going to be the, um, you know, we're, we're going to be a, uh, you know, healthy 30 markets right away or 30 teams uh, now. And then when that we feel we're in a good place, then we'll go to two. <laughs> New Hampshire, Maine. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so well, just made me laugh. I saw somebody drop that in the chat. And since that's <laughs> whole mesh, like that, make, that, that makes me laugh. The, yeah, no, not happening. When um, when you've got, if you're the NBA and you're looking at the optics of a situation, if you are adding a team, it's an expansion team, and you are you're giving a team to a city that doesn't have one. Las Vegas, here's a team for you. You don't want to add into that. Here, sorry, whatever city yeah. we're taking your team away because exactly. then you get upset fans you get all the yep. sad posts on social media you get the outrage yep. you get you get everything the league went through with oklahoma city and how shady that whole situation was with stealing the sonics away and everybody saw it coming from miles away and them saying no we're not doing it we're committed to seattle we're committed to seattle we're committed to seattle oh no wait we're going to oklahoma city yeah that was a mess the nba doesn't want to go through that again you'd rather add a team than move a team at it- this point and then it felt like they turned the knife in Seattle after the 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 Thunder rather got so good, yeah. right? Like it was only like two years after they moved. It was like holy crap, this team could be incredible. So yeah, yeah Seattle's getting a team. I mean, that's as done of a done deal as there could be. The question is, does somebody make a better case that it shouldn't be Las Vegas? And I have a very hard time seeing it. I think I think that is basically done. The Clippers are not going to Vegas. They're building, you know, the most expensive arena that's ever been built. Like they're not, they're not going anywhere. It would like, be fantastic, yeah, but they're not, not going. We've been yeah. trying to get them out of LA for decades, <laughs> yeah. decades, and they are the house guests that will not leave. Yeah, 
Well, they're they're leaving pretty soon. They uh, that's the house guest that hit the the billion dollar lottery. And as uh, hey, I gotta ask. I mean, you 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 could you could just whisper and tell me after the show. Were you the one who won the Powerball? I was I not. I, I was. Not, I am here today, so I was. No, honestly, I would be here anyway, though. That's yeah, that's, that's oh, a man, fantastic thing to say. That. But yeah, no, right. I I, I would not, not be. You're a better I, person than me. I I, I, like, will admit, I I tried to play. I tried. <laughs> I've got ten bucks, which I rarely carry cash, uh, and so I, I made sure I had ten dollars, and I went and I went to this one of those computerized machines, right? Like the it's the uh, I didn't even go to like the counter at the gas station or whatever. Um, it was the kiosk, and it wouldn't work. Oh, it was broken, man. and so I thought I'm like, okay, that's my sign. That's my sign that that I need to just hang on to my ten <laughs> rather than play the lottery. So I didn't even yeah. get an opportunity to potentially win sure. that lottery. The best way to 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 win money by playing the lottery is not play the lottery, right? You just keep right. that money. So yep. what, what what I hear? There was another uh, couple couple I think right was yeah there... yeah let's let's get yeah. to a few of them here. Uh, Fear the deer said, "Who do you think is the X factor?" For the Bucks, for me, it's Pat Connaughton. And if he can fill in okay. that two-guard role uh, a little bit, or at least be a, a solid perimeter defender next to Dame, that's that's my guy for, for the Bucks. Yeah, my real choice here would be just general health of the roster. Um, sure. But if I'm going to pick an actual player, I, I'm going to go with a different shooting guard. I'm going to pick Malik Beasley. Hmm. Um, I Good one. do think it's really interesting that they're talking about throwing uh, him as their, like, defensive stopper on the perimeter that's that, not a good idea yeah i'm not so sure you know that's going to be how it how it plays out but yeah um and then um yeah so i'll, I'll pick malik Beasley. all right darren flowers said i hear next year's draft is a weak draft in y'all opinion and should the spurs tank in 2025 draft to try to get cooper flag i mean you're talking about tanking two years out like i, yeah. I don't know about all that like that's that's yeah i don't that, that's a bit much for me yeah so yeah i'm not yeah, that's i mean you, you I, I think we're gonna see that far out yeah we're gonna see a tank off in 2025 for cooper flag but i don't know about the spurs like you're you know i i, I don't know yeah you know, we'll, it's we'll, hard we'll enough see. to know what's going to happen in the nba next year period exactly. yeah planning out a tank that far in advance is really really difficult on top of that with the flattened odds you could go all out right now, start selling off pieces. Okay, we're ready to tank and wind up with the fifth pick. Exactly. I mean, that, can, that can definitely happen. The Detroit can... Pistons this last yep. year. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, well I, I'm going to do know. a short one. It's yep. my fault. I own it. I'm the one who has to bounce. Um, you know, so we'll let Trevor get to doing some other work, but That's we right. appreciate y'all. Yep. Thanks for joining everybody on this front office Friday. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure you do subscribe. We're pushing for 30,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button and hit the like button as well for us. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.